the Royal Rumble or will it be a former Rumble winner from the likes of Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Dolph Ziggler and the others but there is still some time for that and it's a long way to go so the concentration is on the final pay-per-view that is the tables, ladders and chairs pay-per-view and continuing on the topic of the final matches of 2020 well India didn't exactly win their final 20 over match of the year 2020 riding on a bit of luck and a poor communication between the broadcasters and the match officials Australia got their luck going and they won the match which means it was eerily similar to what happened in the 50 over tournament where Australia won the first two matches, India went on to win the last match in an eerily similar situation by a margin of 11 to 12 runs. In the same context, there has also been this conversation around dropped catches that how the top fielders are dropping catches and that in a pseudo modern day era they are not expected to drop catches they are supposed to be like machines taking every catch the most interesting part about the dropped catches is that the criticism that fielders are not taking catches enough or they are not practicing enough due to a long break and the fact that they didn't have anybody to help them take catches during that three to four month break it's coming from individuals who probably never took one catch in their entire career and then by giving the excuse of using the term modern day player they are saying that when we were players fielding was not the top priority but in modern day times i'm still baffled by what modern day means in modern day times, every catch is to be taken because of the high expectations from inside and outside the sport, which is very similar to hockey when the attacker misses the goal by an inch. Often in sports like basketball, football, hockey, when the attackers move towards their opponent's goal, and when they have a shot at the goal or the basket, if the ball goes inside the basket or into the goal post, it's a great effort. But if it goes too high, then we criticize the attacker for not doing enough to have enough energy to let the ball go into the goal post and they made too much of an effort. Or if the ball strikes the edge of the basket and bounces away it's okay a good effort but not enough or if the ball hits the goal post and goes away into the corner oh a great effort missed by a margin but that's how we look at the contemporary players as if they're expected to be machines and not make a smidgen of a mistake but that's how the expectations of a sports person has risen because of the heavy investment made in the sport by so many individuals 
and also because the sports person are paid a fortune which means that they are expected to justify the income they receive for playing the sport so mistakes are a strict no no and this comes from individuals whose salary was not even one fourth the salary of the players in contemporary times so these very pseudo experts feel it is their birth right to criticize the contemporary players if they make even 0.1% of an error which usually stems out of jealousy and of the fact that these pseudo experts were not given a longer rope or were discarded once they did not perform up to expectations in yesterday's match there was also the whole drs controversy because by the time the captain and the players decided to take the drs the broadcaster had already shown the replays on the big screen which would have been a conflict of interest for the video empire and there is nothing in the rule book which says that either the umpire or the match referee can do anything to overturn that but what's done is done and the idiom that what goes around comes around worked well if in the first match the concussion controversy worked in the favor of india here the drs and the replay controversy where the batter said that the replays are already on the screen so the drs is null and void work in favor of australia so as the saying goes what is good for the goose is good for the gander and things become equalizing at a certain point well that worked for both teams and now this debate like the concussion debate should also be put to bed walked a lonely road the only one that have ever known don't know where it goes but it's home to me and i walked alone i walked this empty street on the boulevard of broken dreams where the city sleeps and i'm the only one and i walk alone i walk alone i walk alone i walk alone my shadow is the only one that walks besides me shallow hearts the only one thing that's beating sums i'm i wish out there will find me till then i walk alone aha 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 i'm walking down the line that divides somewhere in my mind on the borderline the edge and where i walk alone the between the lines what's and everything's still all right check my vital signs to know i'm still alive and i walk alone i walk alone i walk alone my shadow is the only one that walks besides me my shallow hearts the only thing that's beating sometimes i wish out there someone will find me till then i walk alone aha aha ha
Ah, 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 I walk alone, I walk alone, I walk this empty street on the boulevard of broken dreams where the city sleeps and I'm the only one and I walk alone. My shadow is the only one that walks besides me. My shallow heart's the only thing that's beating. Sometimes I wish someone out there will find me. Till then, I walk alone. Sir Joseph received Hercule Poirot in his study. He said, Well, Mr. Poirot, make your boast good. Let me first ask you a question said Poirot as he seated himself. I know who the criminal is and I think it possible that I can produce sufficient evidence to convict this person. But in that case, I doubt if you will ever recover your money. Not get back my money, Sir Joseph turned purple. Hercule Poirot went on, but I am not a policeman. I am acting in this case solely in your interests. I could, I think, recover your money intact if no proceedings were taken, said Sir Joseph. That needs a bit of thinking about. It is entirely for you to decide. Strictly speaking, I suppose you ought to prosecute in the public interest. Most people would say so, said Sir Joseph sharply. It wouldn't be their money that had gone west. If there's one thing I hate, it's to be swindled. Nobody's ever swindled me and got away with it. Well then, what do you decide? Sir Joseph hit the table with his fist. I'll have the brass. Nobody is going to say they got away with 200 pounds of my money. Hercule Poirot rose, crossed to the writing table, wrote out a check for 200 pounds and handed it to the other man. Sir Joseph said in a weak voice, well, I am damned. Who the devil is this fellow? Poirot shook his head. If you accept the money, there must be no questions asked. Sir Joseph folded up the check and put it in his pocket. That's a pity, but the money is the thing. And what do I owe you, Monsieur Poirot? My fees will not be high. This was, as I said, a very unimportant matter. He paused and added, Nowadays, nearly all my cases are murder cases. Sir Joseph started slightly. Must be interesting, he said. Sometimes, curiously enough, you recall to me one of my earlier cases in Belgium many years ago. The chief protagonist was very like you in appearance. He was a wealthy soap 
manufacturer he poisoned his wife in order to be free to marry his secretary yes the resemblance is very remarkable a faint sound came from sir joseph's lip they had gone a queer blue color all the ruddy hue had faded from his cheeks his eyes starting out of his head stared at poro he slipped down a little in his chair then with a shaking hand he fumbled in his pocket he drew out the check and tore it into pieces that washed out see consider it as your fee oh but sir joseph my fee would not have been as large as that that's all right you keep it i shall send it to a deserving charity send it anywhere you damn well like poor lean forward he said i think i need hardly point out sir joseph that in your position you would do well to be exceedingly careful sir joseph said his voice almost inaudible you needn't worry i shall be careful all right Hercule Poirot left the house as he went down the steps he said to himself so i was right these patrons of livings with picarages to bestow always hold rather reject views as regards the qualifications they demand from the curates they are thinking of promoting to fields of higher activity left hooks however edroy are not among them if pop basse had been a fight promoter on the lookout for talent and stinker a promising novice anxious to be put on his next program for a six round preliminary bout he would no doubt have gazed on him with a kindly eye as it was the eye he was now directing at him was as cold and bleak as if an old crony had been standing before him in the dock charged with having moved pigs without a permit or failed to abate a smoky chimney could see trouble looming and i wouldn't have risked a bet on the happy e even at the most liberal odds the stickiness of the atmosphere so patent to my keener sense had not communicated itself to stiffy no voice was whispering in her ear that she was about to be let down with a third pitch would jar her to the back teeth it was all smiles and with whatever the word is plainly convinced that the signing on the dotted line was now a mere formality here we are uncle watkin she said beaming freely so i see i have brought harold so i perceive we talked it over and we think we ought to have the thing embodied in a form of a letter pop basses i grew colder and 
bleaker and the feeling I had that we were all back in the Bosher Street Police Court deepened. Nothing it seemed to me was needed to complete the illusion except a magistrate's clerk with a cold in the head, a fork you could cut with a knife and a few young barristers hanging about hoping for dock briefs. I fear I do not understand you, he said. Oh, come, Uncle Watkin, you know you are brighter than that. I am talking about Harold's vicarage. I was not aware that Mr. Pinker had a vicarage. The one you are going to give him, I mean. Oh, said Pope Bassey, and I have seldom heard an oh that had a nastier sound. I have just seen Roderick, he added, getting down to the res. The mention of Spood's name, Stiffy giggled, and I could have told her it was a mistake. There is a time for girlish frivolity and a time when it is misplaced. It had not escaped my notice that Pop Passe had begun to swell like one of those curious circular fish you catch down in Florida and in addition to this he was rumbling as I imagine volcanoes do before starting in on the neighboring householders and making them wish they had settled elsewhere. But even now Stiffy seemed to have no sense of impending doom. She uttered another silvery laugh. I have noticed this slowness in getting hip to atmosphere conditions in other girls. The young of the gentler sex never appear to realize that there are moments when the last thing required by their audience is the silvery laugh. I bet he had a shiner. Your pardon was his eye black. It was. I thought it would be. Harold's strength is as the strength of ten because his heart is pure. Well, how about that embodying letter? I have a fountain pen. Let's get the show on the road. I was expecting Pop Bassett to give an impersonation of a bomb falling on an ammunition dump. But he didn't. Instead, he continued to exhibit that sort of chilly stiffness which you see in magistrates when they are fining people five quid for boyish peccadilloes. You appear to be under a misapprehension, Stephanie, he said in the metallic voice he had once used when addressing the prisoner Wooster. I have no intention of entrusting Mr. Pinker with a vicarage. For more awesome content, tune in to the next episode of the weekly show with Aditya.